You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. So we started this conversation a few weeks ago on change, which we have now determined that is one of the most difficult human achievements that we face. It's tough to change, but there is this this journey that change typically doesn't happen just overnight. It, It is a journey. We would sometimes say it's a lifelong journey, but I would even say that if there is that behavior that you're trying to add or subtract in your life, that it often doesn't happen overnight. And so we have looked at this kind of like a, a journey on a bus or a journey on a train and with many different stations. So we began by looking at preparation, which God makes us aware. He's the one that often makes us aware or God sends someone like Nathan to David to point out something that we may not be aware of. And so that's that's kind of the first step. of You've got to be aware. You can't fix what you don't know is broken. And then God moves us to a different place. So last week we looked at irritation. And so that irritation is that that thing that bothers us. And it it bothers us to the point that we say, man, I've got to do something about this. Sometimes we don't know exactly what it is that we need to do about it, but we at least we're bothered. And the proposal is that if we're not bothered, then we probably aren't going to change it. If there isn't a certain level of being irritated about it or having that holy discontent, that sacred angst, then most likely we're not going to move off the dime. Today we take it then to the next bus station and we're going to talk about starvation. Now, if any of you, and probably many of you have or do have children, small children, you'll know that the most piercing sound to the human ear is is a baby crying when he or she is hungry. Not only is it piercing, but it is unrelenting. And it will continue until that, that, that little tummy is satisfied. Well, it doesn't really change even when your kids grow up. And it doesn't even change when we become adults. You know the term hangry, right? You get, there's a certain level of like, I'm a little hungry. But then there's a certain point that you become uh, like really hungry. And then you become, well, that, that hangry part, right? Where you're unpleasant. So if you have teenagers, you'll understand this as well. So we have an 18 and 19 year old. And uh, so for those of you that are just coming into that, that, that phase of your life where you're getting into the teenage years, Let me just give you a little bit of insight. One of the things that happens when kids get older is they like to sleep longer. They like to sleep in. Now, if I were king for the day, I would not put high school beginning at 721 in the morning. That comes into the stupid column. Like, who thought of that? That, that, That's not, let the little kids do that, you know, because, anyway, so you get the picture. So they like to sleep in, it's Saturday sleep in. So, you know, you go in the room on a Saturday morning, it's 9 a.m., like, hey, get up. You know, the sun's up, let's get going. Not a good move. It's not going to go well. The the rest of the day is going to be kind of grouchville. So, you know, okay, we're not going to do that, right? And so we're going to like, hey, how do we, you know, how do we really get them up? We have discovered the secret of waking up a teenager any time of the morning that you want. So it's like, oh, it's around 930. Let's wake them up. Here's how you do it. You fry bacon. 
It's scientific. It comes up through the cold air, a return. It penetrates the entire house. It comes into the little sensitive parts of their nostrils. Their nostrils, even though they're sleeping, they're doing this. They're flaring. And even though they're in the zombie level of sleep, man, that bacon will just draw them. And they just come in the kitchen like, hey, you cooking bacon? Yeah, you know, right? Human beings have this thing that's really cool because it's a daily thing. Hunger is a daily thing. In fact, we can't go too long without eating. You can't only go so many days without eating. Not weeks and months, but there's a, there's a, there's a shelf life to our hunger. Now, we all know that if you, if you have any clue of the Bible that we're we have spiritual hunger, right? Like, for example, in John 6, 35, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger because he will satisfy that spiritual hunger that we look for before we exchange our old life for Christ's new one. But today, that's not our topic. I'm talking this morning about the, the hunger for change. In other words, when we look at the, these words, uh, that, that Jesus, that's a spiritual hunger. And yet we sang earlier, I have decided to follow Jesus. See, there's a step of irritation, but then there's a step of starvation. What do I mean? Jesus first said to his disciples who were fishermen, drop your nets. I want that change, but he just didn't leave it at dropping your nets. He said, now I want you to follow me. If you think about the prodigal son, the prodigal son is, you know, uh, in a farmyard feeding, you know, pigs and, and that, and he gets irritated. What am I doing here? Why, why is this my life? This is not my God assignment. This is not the intention of God for me to do this. And he became irritated. But I propose to you today that you can't just remain irritated. He actually turned and was starved for his father's love. He was starved to have the relationship with his father. He was starved for something better. Here's the critical point. If we're irritated, we can make a break from the past. But unless we're starved, it will never last. That was a poem, if you didn't catch it. In other words... There are too many, are you ready? If I might step on your toes a little bit, there are too many starting block Christians that we've been irritated, like, wow, I need to, I need to exchange my old life for Christ's new one. But that's, the only, that's in the spiritual realm, that's the starting block. So it's not enough that we left the past, it's that we're growing and walking into the future. So I want to, we almost probably every uh, week are going to settle into this verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For those who God foreknew, he also predestined, pre-planned, put the blueprints out for us to be conformed to the likeness of his son. This is why Jesus said, drop your nets, be irritated with your pre present life. Follow me, be starving, be hungry, and then I will make you 
fishers of men. In other words, we'll transform over the years. But if we're in the starting blocks and we're like, man, I'm just glad I'm going to heaven. Then we're never going to live out that pre-planned intention of God that we become more and more and more like Christ. I'm a firm believer. I'm a firm believer that God has on all of us who are Christ followers a common calling that we are to be disciple makers, that we are to be fishers of men and women, that we are to live a life that is honoring God. All of these things could go through a long list of our common calling. But I'm also convinced that God gives to each of us a special calling. That God says, I have intention for your life. I want to use you where you live, where you work, where you play. I've got something special for you based on the gifts that I'm going to give to you, based on the personality that I've given to you, based on the years of experience. But we'll never experience that special calling if we remain just irritated in the starting blocks. Make sense? So it's really a, a an irritation we're going to turn, but then this starvation is a movement, and that starvation, that hunger for change in our life then never stops. I want to I want to go deep for just a second in Ecclesiastes chapter three. Watch this. Whatever has already been in the past, what will be has been before. Now, that's a little early in the morning to, to figure that out. That requires a little caffeine. Whatever is has already been and what will be has been before. And God will call the past into account. Okay, let's break it down. What that means is God has intentions. And because God is eternal, those intentions live in the past, present, and future and so God says, hey, I have some intentions for you that are pre-planned, okay? Everybody's pre-planned to become fishers of men, disciple makers. That's a common calling. But I got something I want you to live in as a Christ follower. Paul's uh, uh, calling was different than Peter's calling. Peter's calling was different than John's calling. John's calling was different than Matthew's calling. But they were all common called, but they had a specialized calling. Jesus is, was, uh, the words that he has said to us, like, I made you fishers. I meant that was already intended. Whatever God has for you, we're told in Psalm 139 that all of our days are ordained. In other words, he's got some plans for us. So when you go to build a house, you say, I'm going to first go to the architect. The architect is going to get the draftsman to, to draw plans. My dad was a draftsman, going to draw some plans. This is way before they start you know, uh, pouring concrete, before they start doing uh, pipes. That's all I know about house building. So that's uh... <laughs> the challenge in life. Let's just be honest is that we are going to become something and we are going to do something. So this past week spent two days with a guy named Will Mancini. I referred to him. My wife and I went, uh, went through this process earlier in the week with him and are going through this process called Unique. He wrote a book called Unique spelled Y-O-U-Nique. Unique. And and uh, tremendous book, like most books, like Will, it's you have to read it and read it again, and then when you come to the end, it's kind of a glorious conclusion. But it is a process that helps a person 
understand what is God's special calling in your life. What is he calling you to do? And in this book, he, he has this list. I think you'll identify. What are we called to do? Sometimes we're, we're trying to be the me that others want me to be. Some people live their whole life in the expectations of someone else. Sometimes it's the me that's attractive to see. That I'm just, I'm just like, hey, I, I want to make, this is the Facebook version of who we are, not the real person. Sometimes I'm the me that I'm paid to be. Many people find their, their whole identity and what they do in life. Put two men in, in the room. They're going to talk about one of three things, sports, politics, and occupation. And mainly occupation. I met a guy for lunch this past week. I'm saying, okay, let's get it out of the way. What do you do? Okay, what do I do? Okay, let's talk about life, right? Because we're always talking about what's your job and we identify what the, the me I'm too busy not to be. Some people in life, man, I really want to be this. I feel God, do, but I'm too busy to do that right now. And finally, the me that I want to be. I, t I said last week, the thing that's concerning me in the Christian culture is that we're often, we're using this phrase, I'm living my best life. But what we're reminded in that Romans 8 passage where God says, I'm predestined to become conformed like Christ, we are put here to live the me that God wants me to live. And when we find that pocket, I trust me that this whole other list will pale in comparison to the excitement of living the life that God wants you to live. Listen carefully. It won't be easy. It won't be easy. If I pick the life that Steve McCoy wants to live, trust me, it will be super easy. It will be comforting. It will be just the way I want it. It will include cushion. It will include the right temperature. It will include the right, uh, you know, food and beverage. It will include everything that I want. Because sometimes God calls a person to suffer so that he might work through that person. There's a guy in my neighborhood right now who's reaching so many people. I read the testimony of the NFL uh, football player that, uh, that died on the football field uh, a, a few weeks ago. And he said, I'm so thankful that this happened because God is using it in a way that un I unexpected. I wonder, at the beginning of that game, if you went up to that guy, his name is Damar. Hey, Damar. How'd you like to die today and let God use you? <laughs> Who's going to say yes to that? But what we're after is God, whatever it is that you can use me in the specialized way that you want to, I want to make sure that that's where we're going. The great professor at the Dallas Theological Seminary, Howard Hendricks, said it so well. Watch this. This is what he told his students over and over and over. My greatest fear for you is not failure with your life work, but success at the wrong thing. I read that, I'm like, wow, God, please. I don't want to be successful in the wrong lane. I don't want to be successful at the life I want. I don't want to be successful at the life other people want for me. I don't want to be successful for the life I'm being paid for. I want to be successful, God, at my common calling, but I want to be successful for your kingdom and for your intention. So today, we're going to settle into 1 Samuel chapter 10, if you have your Bible. Now we'll have the, the, the passages on the screen.
In 1 Samuel chapter 10, we were introduced in the previous chapter to the first king of Israel. His name is Saul. Now, it's an interesting beginning because Saul was unaware of the special calling that God had on his life to become king. His family had lost some donkeys. It's kind of a kind of an odd story. Lost some donkeys. He's trying to find the donkeys, and because donkeys equaled you know money for them, there was like income. So they were searching for these donkeys, and he said, "Am I going to? I'm going to go to the seer or the prophet." So he went to meet with Samuel, and Samuel said, "I've been waiting for you. Don't worry about the donkeys. They've been found." That's a little odd. Like, wow, how do you know that? Because God was speaking through him and helping him to see things that couldn't be seen and, and by human eyes. And Samuel said to, to Saul, you're the one that Israel has a desire for. Now, he's, Saul is coming into this thing like, I just came looking for some donkeys, man. And, and you're telling me these things are going to happen. And in chapter 10, the verse first, Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you, appointed you, endorsed you, crowned you to be the leader over his inheritance, speaking of the nation of Israel? Like, what are you talking about? So God had a blueprint specialized for Saul that was already drawn in the past for the future, and now Saul had the choice to live into it or not. That's the critical part of our conversation today. Every person is given a free choice to say God, to say no to God. Even though God has pre-planned us to grow into the image of Christ, doesn't mean that we will necessarily do that because if we just stay irritated and we don't have starvation for God to do that, then we'll probably stay in the starting blocks. God initiated this. Now watch. In verse t- uh, 9 of First uh, Samuel 10, God changed, that's what we're talking about, God changed Saul's heart. The Spirit of God came upon him in power. Now when we come to Christ The Spirit of God comes within us, ignites, turns what was dead into life. Our spirit comes alive. The Bible says that we're born a second time. But again, this is so much like us. The starting blocks are now. It would have been easy for Saul, like, wow, that was amazing. The Spirit of God has come on my life, and now... I'm just going to, I'm happy. I'm, you know, put a period there. And God says, oh no, this is just a comma, not a period. We're just beginning. I'm, you're going to hear me say it so many times, you're going to get sick of it. Don't be satisfied by just knowing God in the starting box because the race is too exciting and too fulfilling and too meaningful to miss it in the starting blocks. Are you tracking? It's a big deal. And so watch, we're, we're reminded in Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, you've taken off your old self with its practices, and you've put now on the new self, which is being renewed. The verb is a continual verb, being continually renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Sometimes things get in the way of this. Sometimes get, you know, busyness, 
uh, uh, stress, selfishness, a lot of things can get in the way. It's almost like we're playing a football game here and there's a lot of defensive linemen and the other big guys that I don't know what they call them, but you know, <laughs> and, they're, and you're trying to run through all of these, these obstacles in life. And listen, they're not just obstacles, but they're also coming after you. It's not that we just have hurdles in life. We have linebackers that are trying to tackle you. So this is not just an obstacle course. This is a live playing field. Watch what happens. It came time then for Saul to be to start living out this intention that God already had. I intend for you to be king. So let's pull Saul up on stage. Let's get him ready. Let's go. Can't find him. Can't where'd he go? So they inquired further of the Lord. Has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, yeah, he's hidden himself among the baggage. Now, that is not the poster child of the king of the nation of Israel. The first one, by the way. It's like George Washington. You know, crossing the Delaware. Where is he? Oh, he jumped out of the boat a long time ago. He's not here. So here's Saul hiding himself. No one else was hiding him. Hiding himself in the baggage. Boy, I couldn't help to think when I read that. Like, wow. How often do we, like Adam, hide ourselves and we hide ourselves in the baggage? Listen, I think that most of us would agree that the reason that we don't live out God's intended special calling is because of the baggage. It's the baggage of our family. It's the baggage of fear. It's the baggage of our current life, what's happening in our life. It's the baggage of the urgent. Ouch, that one hurts for me. I feel like I live my life, as they say, in the tyranny of the urgent. Decision here, decision here, decision here. What's my calling? I don't know. Decision here, decision. Where's God going? I don't know. You know, because I'm carrying this, these baggage, this baggage of the, of the urgent all the time. Sometimes it's the baggage of the past because someone in your life, maybe you have convinced yourself that God could never use you. And we conveniently hide behind that this happened to me when I was 12, when I was 16, when I was 26. Sometimes the church has injured me, and that's baggage that we're carrying. And God says, drop your nets, drop your baggage, follow me, and I will change you. I put yourself in the track for to allow me to mold you. So when God says, hey, I predestined you to become more in the image of Christ, what he's not saying is you do it. You try harder. No, what we're doing is we're dropping the bags and we're saying, God, would you work through me? Because I just want to be, I want to be willing. I want to be available. I want to be positioned. And I don't want to hide myself in the baggage of life. Paul said it this way. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sharing and his sufferings. Why? To become like him. In his surrender, in his death. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. In other words, I'm not there yet. My tomato is not ripe yet. 
It's still ripening, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have arrived at the final destination on this bus journey. I got more stations to stop. He said, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind that stupid baggage, drop the bags and watch this, and straining and starving toward, pushing ahead on what is ahead. You know, that, that phrase, by the way, is when the, uh, the, the runner is, is running and there's the ribbon and that final whoosh, it's like that. See, God is calling us to live that whoosh life. It's a, it's a starving for bacon, if, if that kind of wakes you up this morning. You could say it like this. God has a bacon calling on your life to wake you up, to drop the bags and go, oh, it's too good not to experience. See? Sometimes when you think, if you read through the story of Saul, we don't have the time to do it this morning. But Saul took on a different identity than God had. It's a long story. It's deep. He made himself a prophet. He made himself a priest. And that was not his calling. And there were some serious reasons why that wasn't his calling. He was called to be king. Jesus is the only one that was all king, all priest, all prophet. So he got in another lane. He began to explore. Sometimes it's hesitation. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hide myself. I'm now not sure. You know, we, we spend our whole life literally. You, we always think tomorrow is going to be, I'll get to it then, right? So hesitation, like, oh, I don't know. I'll do it next, next week, next month, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes it's, it's inclination. I'm inclined to change. I, have the, I, have a, I definitely have a sense that I should, but that's still in the starting block. Sometimes it, it's exploration. Hey, I, I'll explore. This is what Saul did. Let me explore some different things. God said, no, keep on track of where I've called you. And maybe the most damaging baggage that we carry sometimes is justification. Justification. If you know the story, you know, Samuel came to Saul and like, hey, what are you doing, man? And I'm going to have to take your position away from you. And he said, well, it's all these people that are kind of influencing me to do what was wrong, right? So often, justification, watch, in a fake way fulfills our hunger. Here's what I mean. Well, I'll tell you why I can't change. Because my parents did this, that, and the other. Now I'm satisfied. I don't have that same hunger. I fed myself with marshmallows. And marshmallows, if you eat, you know, 18 of them, they're just fluff, but they'll make you feel full. But God says, that's not what I want. Well, see, God, I'm too busy right now. There's too many urgent things. So, see, I've satisfied this, the starvation to move forward. How many times have I heard, well, we just got married we, we can't we can't do anything now. I mean, we're just really kind of married, and and it's like okay, we've satisfied, we've we've justified. I just started a business, just had our first child, just had our first grandchild, just got our first mortgage payment, just got our first lawnmower. No, never happened to me. Yeah, 
Whatever those things are, ah, oh, I can I can truly tell you at 63 years old, they will never stop coming at you. And you'll never stop. We, we can live in those starting blocks, irritated about the past, but not starve for the future. We can live in those starting blocks and feed ourselves with the marshmallows of justi- justification and feel like, well, here's why I can't m- move, right? On the other hand, David was a different story. The second king. Wish we had the time to go through all his story, but we're just going to look at the, the intersection. But here's our key stopping place or focus place today. Watch this. It's so incredible. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. We are God's poema. That's the word, workmanship. Let me put it this way. What the meaning is, we are God's masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a masterpiece. Now, don't be lying in church if you don't mean it. (laughs) Do you know when Rembrandt paints a masterpiece, you know how many there are? There's one. And then he's doing a different painting. How can the God of, come on, how can the God of the universe paint a billion masterpieces? Because he's bigger than you think he is. And so God has created these these masterpieces, these poemas, created in Christ Jesus, starting blocks, created again, recreated, reborn, right? Created in Christ Jesus, what? For good works, watch, which God has prepared beforehand, beforehand. Wow, watch this, that we should walk in them It doesn't say that we will walk in them. God has a special assignment because we've been created in Christ Jesus for the special assignment which God put on the blueprint that we should walk in it and not necessarily that we will walk in it. That's the choice God gives to you. You remember in 2010, the Chilean miners that got trapped, 33 miners, and three miles under the surface of the, the earth to the, to the exit of the, of the NASA jumped in with some technology you might remember. And over the world, one billion people were watching. They designed this, the cavity and one by one, they pulled out these miners and all 33 were rescued one by one. One year later, Time Magazine's cover said, read this, a year after the rescue, do the Chilean miners need another rescue? Uh, interesting. I read the article. Because of the popularity of what happened, because of the mental stress for others, what happened, it paralyzed Many of those miners, and as if they need to be rescued a second time. Christ rescues us from our past, from our sin. And again, if that's where God is moving in your life, listen for just a minute or two. We're trapped. We're trapped, helpless, in our past, in our sin, in our guilt, 
And if you're tuned into it, you know about what I'm about to say. You're going to connect deeply because God puts you through this journey like, man, I really want a relationship with God. I really want that. And yet religion's not getting it for me. Uh, Being trying to be right enough is not getting it for me. And this is why Christ came to rescue us from ourselves, to rescue us from with a plan that we couldn't do and execute ourselves. So Christ comes and he offers himself on a cross that he might say to us, I'm going to mysteriously and miraculously absorb the sin of the world and take the sin of the world on myself because you can't get out of it yourself. You're trapped in a cave with no relief. Only I'm going to reach down to you and I'm going to rescue you and pull you out of that. If we would just trust in that, put our dependence in that. But once again, that's the first rescue. The second rescue comes when we are standing at the starting box and God says, I want to rescue from you from your baggage. I want, to, I want you to drop those bags. I want you to drop those nets. I don't want you to live just a nine to five life the rest of your life. I want you to be effective for the kingdom of Christ. I want to use you as an ambassador. Last week we looked at Jonah as a broker of the message from heaven to earth. And if you are you like, man, okay, I, I, I hear you, but I haven't bought into you. Don't trust me. Trust God. God has created you in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. And when you begin to walk in them, I'm telling you, your life will have a deeper level of meaning. One last thing. I want to say this, that to a certain degree, as we talk about starvation, your want to is directly tied to your will do. That's just, how, that's just in life. What is my level of want to in cleaning the garage? Zero. What does my will do? Never. <laughs> so there is a certain level of like, God, I, I've got to have this want to. But God never leaves us alone. God won't quit bugging us. But God puts around us a community. It's the key to community. It's why we talk about disciple making. I hope you never get fatigued of that word because it's Jesus's word, not ours. God puts around us a community. Say, you got this. You can do this. What is God doing in your life? We need other people. So we close with this. David was also anointed to be king beforehand. From the time that God said, I pick you, it was, ready, 15 years before he became king. But when he became king, 1 Chronicles 11, when he became king, watch, all Israel came together, community, to David at Hebron and said, we are your own flesh and blood. They were family. In the past, Even while Saul was king, you were the one who led Israel on the military campaigns. And the Lord God said to you, you will, this is my intention, David, you will shepherd my people and you will become the ruler. 
When all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, he made a compact uh, uh, with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David over king as the Lord had previously promised. It was community. But watch this. A few verses later in verse 10. It talks about David's men, and these were the chief. This was his small circle, the small circle of David, the mighty men, together with Israel, together with the community, together with a big circle. He had a small circle of of brothers that gave his kingship strong support to extend God's intention over the whole land as God had intended. There has to be a starvation, but we must have people around us to say, let's walk together in God's calling in your life, and it will be a life of deep meaning. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for your call on our lives, a common call for all of us to be fishers of men and women, to go into all the world and make disciples, to be lovers of people, lovers of God, to be givers, to be forgivers, common for every Christ follower. And yet, God, there is this beautiful masterpiece that you've painted in each of our lives that is beyond our human understanding how big you can be and yet how small you can be, how vast you can be and how intimate you can be. I wonder, God, today, how many people are like, oh, man, do I deeply connect with that baggage. I'm using every reason under the sun to hide myself amongst the baggage. The baggage of busyness and greed or or pain or fear, whatever those things are. Our luggage rack sometimes is full. God, as you know. So even in this moment, God, we come to you, each of us, in a miraculous masterpiece moment here, because you can hear our whispers. And I wonder how many Christ followers would say, God, I'm I'm so thankful to be saved, to be rescued. But today I need a second rescue. I need to be rescued from the linebackers that keep coming at me. The baggage. God, I'm hiding myself. I'm so busy. I'm so worried. Would you speak to us, God? What is that? You called your disciples, drop your nets. You're calling us today, drop your baggage. Live the life that I've written for you, the blueprint. You, God, are incredible. Your plan is incredible for us, specific. So, Father, we just give us thoughts even this afternoon to ponder what is that calling 
Finally, Father, we pray for those who are trying to figure this whole thing out. And we deeply, we deeply resonate with it because every Christ follower in this room, every Christ follower is sitting in their living room right now, sitting in their car. We, we remember God. For so many of us, that tunnel of chaos to try to figure out how in the world do I have a relationship with God? So if you're in that chapter of your life, listen, we get it and God gets it. But here's the thing. God is the one that will bring clarity. How about you speak to him right now? How about you just be raw? God, I'm tired of looking. Religion isn't getting it for me. Even sitting in a church building is not getting it for me. Trying to be right enough is, is kind of just wearing on me. And listen to the words. Listen. Listen with your soul. Jesus said, come to me, all you that are weary. And you got this heavy burden. And I will give you life. Why not give your life to Christ right now? What do I mean by that? You come to Christ in your own raw way, from your heart to his, and say, God, I'm not going to trust in myself. I'm not going to trust in church. I'm not going to trust in religion. I'm not going to trust in even trying to be better. Right now, I'm going to take all that effort and all that trust, and I'm going to transfer it to one place, to Jesus Christ. I want to put my entire faith and trust in Christ. I want to be your child, God. Is that your prayer? I want to be in relationship with you, God. Is that your prayer? You think you've waited to have a relationship with God? God has waited on you before you took your first breath. Oh God, I trust in you right now. Forgive me for my sins. You know, I know, God, I'm broken, I'm imperfect, I'm a sinner. And I'm asking through Christ that you clean me, that I can stand before you because I've trusted in Christ. Hey, you pray, you speak to God in your own language, confess to him, be honest with him, and ask him, oh God, would you ignite new life in me? I'm coming to exchange my old life for your new one. Is that your prayer? Oh, speak to him from your heart. Oh, great God, thank you for being close enough, for being intimate enough, and for loving us enough to know exactly who we are today. We love you back today. We worship you. And we say from our hearts as we begin, I have decided to follow Jesus. We pray it in his name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. And special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible. 
If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information about 360 Church, visit us at the360church.com.